orbiting 250 miles above, the space station provides us with the ultimate view of planet Earth. From this perspective, we ask our guests to engage with six questions that orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness. For the next few minutes, this is our wonder space. Welcome to the 102nd episode of the Wonder Space podcast, which is an expression of a family trust called Panapa. My name is Steve Cole, and since September 2020, I have asked the same six questions to over 100 people from around the world. People like John Elkington from Volans, who in episode 50 talked about the Earthshot Prize winner Coral Vita, who are breeding coral organisms that are resistant to rising temperatures and rising acidity in the oceans. We are thrilled once again to be drawing from the wonder of Ask Nature, who look to nature for inspiration to solve design problems in a regenerative way. Here is another moment to help us re-wonder. With a head looking out from five meters above the savanna, a giraffe can browse treetops without much competition and can see flat ground for eight and a half kilometers in every direction. That gives her a heads up on the approach of predators and a great sense of the location of resources. But it comes with a potentially high cost as well. In order for blood to travel the two meters from heart to head, it must be pumped with pressure twice that in humans, even accounting for body size differences. To handle that pressure, the left ventricle of a giraffe heart thickens over its lifespan. In humans, such thickening can be lethal because it results in fibrosis, the development of restrictive connective tissue. But in giraffes, those hardworking hearts stay healthy and supple. When scientists compared the genomes of giraffes to those of their short-necked relative, the okapi, they found significant differences in genes known to be related to cardiac fibrosis in other species. Knowledge like this is opening up promising new avenues of collaboration between veterinary and human medical professionals and helping us to learn from other species how to better care for our own. This week on Wonderspace, we orbit with Jyoti Fernandez, a smallholder farmer on a regenerative holding in the UK and the head of policy at the Landworkers Alliance a union of farmers, growers, foresters, and land-based workers whose mission is to create a better food and land use system for everyone. Jyoti was nominated by farmer and the host of the Farmerama podcast, Abby Rose, who was our 44th guest on Wonderspace. With this expansive overview of Earth, I start by asking Jyoti, if we could do a fly past on any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? I have a lot of places that feel really significant to me um, because I'm a person who um, has heritage from so many different places and I work with Livia Campesina, which is an international peasants movement from with peasant farmers and indigenous people all over the world. And everywhere I go, um, th- there's, there's communities where I see people working with the land. And when I see people, you know, living in very closely knit land-based communities or in 
tribal situations where there's a real relationship between the land and that geography and the way they live and and how they get their human needs um to me those places are the most special <laughs> the most special in the world um and one of the really special places i experienced that in was in india um it's with the tribal communities there that were growing so many different crops and all the different crops, you know, worked with each other and they provided a, a huge range of different things for their community. And they had animals like cows that they would milk themselves and make, you know, yogurt and paneer cheeses and, and festivals that, you know, worked with the, um, the landscape and with the seasons that, that, that celebrated the earth there. And to me, seeing that and, and, you know, mothers, working with their children beside them and elderly people there looking after the kids as well. And um, the way that it really felt like that work wasn't just work, it was something that's actually a part of their whole life. To me, that's very special. And zoning in on those little special experiences gives me something that takes me through when I see so many kind of disconnected places in the world. Jyoti, give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently. I grew up in Louisiana in the United States in a little rural town with my family. I had a very big family <laughs> there. Um, and my mother was an activist. She was a disability rights activist. She was totally blind. And she ran a disability rights movement. And I worked with her um, from quite a young age, you know, she used to take us around because, you know, she really believed in taking your children everywhere and doing, you know, her work with, with, with children with her and saw that, you know, she was trying to struggle with something that's very difficult to be a blind person raising a family, um, in a society that doesn't really understand that. And I saw how she felt that bringing people together was the way to, create better conditions and to create an optimism and for people to learn from each other how you you make the world something that is is what you want it to be you know the vision for where you want to be in the future um and you know i went on and did, did my own things you know because i'm part indian heritage i went back at one point you know after going to university to india because I was in university and I thought, you know, this American lifestyle of studying international development isn't really um, doing it for me. You know, it, it felt very uncomfortable, the idea of pushing an American way of life on the rest of the world, because, you know, there was a lot of uh, fast food restaurants in America. And I slowly saw my town taken over by Walmart and, you know, this kind of commercialism that really consumes people's lives. And in many ways, it just didn't sit right. I didn't like seeing all the forests being turned into... Um, lawn <laughs> and all the lawn clippings going into plastic bags and people driving their big cars around everywhere and so I went back to India and I spent some time with those people I was talking about I wanted to zone in and see again um, people who lived a very land-based life and also saw some really terrible things um, with them being evicted from their land um, for a hydroelectric dam I stayed and worked with them for quite a while um, and saw, you know, nearly 70,000 people evicted from the land, um, moving into little shanty towns and really kind of experienced that, um, that displacement, that tremendous displacement of a land-based life in the face of the consumer reality. And I think that was fundamentally 
transformative to me, really, in many ways, to, to understand that, that actually there's another reality out there, that one that didn't sit right, quite right with me being in America. It, there, there, there's another way we can move forward. Um, I moved to England. Um, after I came back, I met my husband and, and we moved here because um, he's very British. <laughs> and we decided we wanted a land-based life for our children. And so we... Um, lived for a little while in a bender in the woods <laughs> and, you know, lived without electricity. Then we moved to a community, um, living with other people, you know, uh, living a fossil fuel free life um, in, a, in that community. And then went from there to get our own piece of land and started to build an organic farm and built our own homes here. Um, and there was a lot of difficulty in doing that because there's so many barriers facing people trying to rec recreate that life. You know, there's, there's, difficulties with access to land, with learning, learning how to live with people, how to recreate that sense of community, how to reconnect with the earth. Um, and I felt like I wanted to create something, a movement, a social movement of people wanting to do that sort of thing so that we could support each other in that mission to go back to the earth and to actually heal the earth and restore the earth. Um, and I think that's something I learned from my mother. You know, I learned that if there is something you need to change, you come together with the people that feel that and experience that and you hold hope together to, to change things. And it's the most hopeful thing I've ever found to try and reconnect with the land and those rhythms of the land and reconnect other people to that and to recreate community. The Land Workers Alliance is the organization we started. It's a union for land-based workers. That's foresters, farmers, horticulture growers, and people who work with the land in other ways, craftspeople who make beautiful chairs or baskets, you know, people who make agricultural machinery, people who process food and transform all the things from the land into beautiful jams and bacons and, you know, breads. Um, and, and people who really celebrate that, you know, and, and new entrants, you know, young people who want to get back to the land coming together to, to really celebrate this community. We can create something that's really positive for the future, something that heals the biodiversity crisis, that heals the, climate crisis and, and the social crisis too. You know, it's, it's about creating something together and working on that together. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? For me, the foundation of everything I do is my family. Um, being at home with my family, eating roast dinner on a Sunday is probably my, my favourite, happiest place in the world. Um, food is everything I campaign for, everything I do, everything I create. You know, we grow our own meat here on the farm, um, our own vegetables sometimes. Um, and, you know, we can celebrate that, that we've produced those things together, but also being together as a family. What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? The thing I get most intrigued by about the natural world is the way that life and death are a part of the natural world and that it is a cycle, that there's a lot of pain and difficult things. Um, there's things that die. There's things that have to be composted. <laughs> you know, the, the, there's all different things that work together in a system, but it's all a part of all the things that regrow again and... You can't have nature without those cycles. And to me, I think that's a beautiful thing. And it takes a long time to come to terms with that, especially if you're a livestock keeper, you know, and, and you raise animals and you have to kill them and then you eat them and you birth them and you care for them their whole life. 
And I see it in nature. I've seen it with the indigenous communities that I work with, you know, the way that they can hunt and kill animals. And it's still a part of the natural cycle. The way that, you know, you have crops that get eaten by slugs or whatever it is, but still, you know, they're there fruit that doesn't get harvested but it's there for the butterflies you know there's there's all these things but they all work together in a system and I think knowing that nature holds all those parts in it is one of the most beautiful things about it. Jyoti what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own about a person business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? So down the road from my farm there is a community, an intentional community called Moncton Wild Court. And they have been living there, wow, since the 60s or so. Um, different, you know, different people through all the time. And one of my stories of hope is, you know, seeing the indigenous communities I've seen still living their lifestyle, having defended land since the era of colonialism and being there still, still carrying on the fight. But this community down the road is an intentional community and it's been there through all the ups and downs that communities go through in the Western world trying to recreate a lifestyle that is something that pe- people were living because there was a pattern to it. There was a rhythm to it that they learned, you know, and, and developed over millennia and they're trying to recreate it. And I've seen it existing through loads of ups and downs and little arguments and fluxes of people and different changes in management and different changes in economics. And they have this beautiful farm there, um, that they run as a sustainable farm holding and they've resisted all this time turning it into a place where you just bring in tourists. You know, they kept the cow stables there and they've got a little micro dairy that's been running this, this whole time. <laughs> and it's got a grassland that they've recreated with all the beautiful wildflower meadows. And, you know, they, they, they milk the cows there and they produce milk for the community and they have a vegetable garden and they have pigs that are eat the way, you know, uh, from the cheese making and it produces a little bit of meat from the community but doesn't bring in any soya that destroys the Amazon to that impacts the lives of those communities over there that I know are doing their good work you know and it, it it's working it's it's recreating both a sustainable ecosystem a farming ecosystem that's providing the sustenance for that community but it's also survived the ups and downs of of being there and surviving and existing and I think that's a beautiful inspiration and it's a beautiful hope Finally, as we prepare to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to leave with us? I suppose I've spent the last 30 years being an activist and a mother and, um, you know, trying to to do this work because I, I find it so precious and so beautiful, you know, what, what we're trying to protect here. And it... It's hard to balance those things, those things that are the internal daily struggles of life, of trying to get the kids to school, of trying to, you know, get the animals fed, to have a farm that is economically viable, to hold relationships together, all of those things, but also to look look farther than, than that, to try and heal those other parts, because you know, you, the world is so rapidly declining. Everything is, it, it is, you know, the big, the biggest shift we've seen in the last 80 years. And I think it's, it's trying to balance doing that internal work of keeping your family 
together and your heart together and all of that with um, knowing that taking that time, even though it's stressful to try and reach out and do those other things to, to hold our global community together to provide that, that spirit of hope is also important and holding those in balance together is what, is what we can do. And we have to do that together in order to be able to do that because you can't just do it on your own. You, yeah. And we have to do it, you know, if, if we really want to, to have these seeds that will in the future, I know there's going to be so much pain. I know there's going to be so much destruction. There's going to be so many things that fall apart in the chaos that I feel happening, but I know that there's all these wonderful grains of knowledge and wonderful people. And I see young people, my, my young daughters now who are teenage activists themselves with their friends being so much more aware, so much more clued up about the way that all these different things, social justice and identity politics and, um, you know, that the unfairness of inequality and all these things, how they're all tied up into what we can create to make such a better world. And they understand that on such a level that we've never understood before, that there's actually so much hope that we're going to get through this and we're going to be able to do it. And we just have to just keep on going and not fold into ourselves um, and, 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 and keep nurturing those parts so that they're the foundation for us to go out there and do that work so that those grains of knowledge will be something that survives into the future. You can find out more at landworkersalliance.org.uk. What is your story of hopefulness that's not your own about a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? We would love you to consider recording yourself in under 30 seconds, sharing your story on your phone through your video or the voice memo or recorder app. You can then simply upload the recording to the link on our website, ourwonder.space, and we will look to include them in future episodes. I want to thank Jyoti for joining us on Wonderspace. Let's continue to share our stories of hopefulness that makes a name for someone else. We need them like never before. Thanks for listening.